Hi, Megan. Welcome to Bad Movies Rock. Well, thank you, Megan. Megan, welcome to Bad Movies Rock, where we just get stuck on themes sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. It's... We're not creative people. Let's, I mean, I feel like if you've listened to this before, you know that. We're not like out of the box thinkers. So we watch a Melissa McCarthy movie, we think, hey, that movie's really good. It was well reviewed, but, you know, people who watched it didn't like it. And they, they came out with more vitriol than I think was completely necessary and scored it lower than they should. So usually we're yelling at critics. This time we're yelling at the everyday people who felt the need to weigh in. And then and then we're like, oh, here's another Melissa McCarthy movie. And the same thing happened. So let's just do the same thing again. Yeah, I mean, you call us uncreative, but I would call us like... That we know what we're into. We know what we enjoy. We know what we need to like. Just, you know how we're like real like thought makers and influencers, Amber? I think it's really important that we put our like thumbs on the scale of entertainment justice and make sure things like really good Melissa McCarthy movies uh, get watched. You know, I'm 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 just going to go ahead and back up and say we are neither of the things that you okay. said that we are. Hmm. And entertainment justice. <laughs> entertainment yes. justice. Uh-huh. Yeah. I Weird like me. that the concept of entertainment justice is being applied to Melissa McCarthy movies, mm-hmm. which were well-reviewed by the official critics. Yes, go on. I, I mean, I hope you're suggesting that in general, what we the, the service that we oh, provide all of here us. Yeah, at Bad all of Movies BMR. Rock... Is is all about entertainment justice? Yeah, no, it's it's not specific to these two movies that we just watched. It's 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 the the ethos of BMR is entertainment justice. I'm I'm In just fact, surprised I'm, that we've we've only just now reached that perfect distillation of our crusade. Yeah. I want to say our crusade. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, that, that doesn't that word has no podcast. negative connotations to it. So perfect. Let's None use crusade. whatsoever. Crusade uh-huh. is a nice clean. Mm-hmm. term to use Great. that has yep. no baggage whatsoever Mm-mm, nope so our crusade for entertainment uh-huh. justice is ongoing yes and our latest installation of entertainment justice mm-hmm. is for ghostbusters 2016 yes it is we're gonna have to change like our twitter bio and our uh website yeah i'm just really disappointed that you didn't come up with this terminology sooner our I'm brand has suffered for it yeah, disappointed myself as well. But you did a really good job of disproving my whole we're not creative thing. Now we know <laughs> that I'm just not creative. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, we, we watched uh, Ghostbusters 2016, you know, the one that ruined everybody's childhood. Oh, no, they bad touched my baby thoughts. Fuck <laughs> you, motherfuckers. It's true. Listen shitheels of the world, who I'm sure absolutely download and uh, take in this podcast with great mm-hmm. zeal, just because it's part of a franchise that had men in it before and didn't differently. Wow. Just, just wow that your response is immediate hatred and personal affront. If only you got this passionate about shit that actually mattered. Oh, Jesus, right? Yeah. Wowzers. <laughs> if only if only you cared about, like, I don't know, injustice in the world like this or, you know. Systemic racism, poverty, gun control, homelessness, 
Yep. Food insecurity. I mean, a lot of these things are connected, of course. Sure. But so, so many things could really benefit from the time and effort you spent just trying to harass this movie into non-existence. Yeah, the zeal that goes into that could be so much better placed for other things, couldn't it? Weird. Just, yeah. just weird. Hey, mm. hey, hey. Real talk, Megan. Yes, Amber. Go ahead and not like this movie. Go ahead and not like this movie on principle. Because you liked the original, you don't think it needs a remake. Cool. They have been plundering our childhood for the past 10 years. Thundercats, back. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, back. Ghostbusters, back. G.I. Joe got made into a live-action film franchise. That wasn't yes. fucking necessary, but I'm gonna watch it. Oh, yeah. I'm saying, go mm -hmm. ahead and not watch something. But don't then go ahead and hate it loudly and all over the place and try to destroy people and then also just verbally harass and send death threats to the people participating in the making of the movie. Good God, humans. Yeah, what is what is wrong with you? Yeah, there's, you know, and, and Amber, I, I have very little feelings about people remaking things. I, I think mostly it's fine. Um, there's talks of a Princess Bride remake coming at some point. I, like, that's one of those movies where I'm like, hmm, I'm not sure that I would watch that remake. I probably will. But like, I'm not sure that I would watch it. But even if I did, it wouldn't ruin my first watching of The Princess Bride. Exactly. You know, it's not, and I'm not going to send people death threats for making it. What, what bullshit? What, exactly. Like, you just and, spend your time lying to yourself about not watching it. And then you'd go and watch it and you might like it or dislike it based on its own merits like it. or your own memories. Yeah. But it doesn't. Damn. People, yeah. and we're not being hyperbolic when we say death threats. This shit happens, and it happens almost solely to people of color and women who make media. It happens on Twitter all the time. It happens to movies. It happens to the female stars in Star Wars. Like, calm the fuck down, people. Take it down like four hundred thousand notches. It's fucking entertainment. Watch what you like and don't watch what you don't. Just shut the fuck up about it. Yeah, you, you you don't get the right to be a psychopath just because you're typing words to someone you're never going to meet. In any case, yeah. Um, I mean, I and, and like for, for me personally, um, you know, the Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters theme comes on and you get like this like sprawling like uh, view of New York City and my heart goes... Oh, I remember. This is like, you're, you're tapping into my childhood. This is wonderful. I love it. Yeah, I mean, in general, I am not against remakes. I'm fine with it. It can stand alone as its own thing. It can make endless homages to what came before. I meant mm -hmm. to say homages, and I said homages, yeah. and I'm yeah, it's fine. Homages. I'll leave that. Homages. Yes, I'm going to homage the shit out of this. Yes. I also heard someone talking about it like this, Amber. Like, there's a lot of... Uh, people who are kids today who are watching that Ghostbusters for the first time, they may never ever watch the original Ghostbusters, right? And like, oh, gross. So now this Little is Nazis. Their... <laughs> but this is their Ghostbusters. I mean, this happens throughout time where like the remakes of movies become, you know, the movies for the next generation. And like, nobody, not everybody wants to go back and watch the original black and white, whatever, you know? It, sometimes it's opening the world of this thing to a whole new generation, and that's that's nice. Same oh, no, thing happens I'm with songs. I'm gonna full on disagree with you on that one. That okay. is downright unacceptable. I mean, I get the whole okay. like black and white thing. 
Uh-huh. Obviously, I'm not going to wade into that shit. But when it comes to the fucking Ghostbusters, you have to watch the first one. <laughs> okay, fine. Good God. I'm not going to argue with you there. They have to go backwards. I don't care if they watch this one first, but they need to know where it came but, from. But but maybe this is their inroad to watching it. They're never going to watch a 1984 movie. They're, they're going to watch a 2016 movie and realize how fun it is, and then they're going to go b- back and watch. That I'm fine with. But if you're there suggesting you that the 2016 movie no, is the I'm... only one they watch, they're little no, monsters, and I don't okay. want them deciding my future. Okay, fair. You're right, Amber. I'm just scared of you right now. I think that's mostly what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Um, So, uh, yeah, let me explain the plot of this movie. This movie is about how four women take over the role of Ghostbusters and ruin your childhood. It's pretty much the end. Yeah, essentially they reach right into that special place in your heart where the Ghostbusters live. They just... Just rip it open. And in the gaping hole where the Ghostbusters used to be, they take a steaming dump. Oh, I was going to say pee, but yeah, dump's okay too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they, they relieve themselves in your heart cavity. Yep, exactly right. All right, I think we covered it. We did an excellent job. Yeah. Amber, what did the critics think about this movie? The critics thought this movie was fine. Uh, mm-hmm. Metacritic has it at 60. What did the pieces of shit audience think of this movie? Wow, 28. That is, um... Yeah, 20 fucking 8. Who doggies? I, I, I... So we talked about last time watching Ghostbusters, and I was like, oh, I don't know that we can. And then I saw that 28 at Metacritic, and I was like, oh, fuck you. I'm not sure if it was specifically because of this movie, or if this movie was just one in a very quick succession line of female-driven movies that... People essentially said, I'm going to go online and just bomb the shit out of it so that people think it's terrible because fuck this movie for existing because, ah, women, no. Yeah. I was like this and Wonder Woman and Captain mm-hmm. Marvel. And it was kind of, they, they came up with new rules on these sites where you couldn't review it before it was released. And it was just the fact that we needed to do that because people are like, not a ton of people, but enough people are so driven to be hateful towards women specifically. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> they go out of their way to just be hateful online in like a public forum where you... People care about what the critics say, not necessarily about what the users say. But then at the same time, we care more about what the users say than what the critics say because we feel like they're a more accurate gauge on... Yeah. You know, Usually, the movies that yeah. we love, which are generally not really critically acclaimed. This, on the other hand, is like a critically acceptable movie. But yeah, the audience really just tanks it. And I don't yeah, even r- think it was the real audience. Right. Yeah. And that is the thing. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. Rotten Tomatoes has it at 74 for the critics and 50 for the audience. Right, that's fine. Yeah, it's fine. How'd you feel about this movie? I really enjoyed this movie, Amber. Hmm. Do you think for like 60, 74, which one, which one really gets yeah, your feelings? Yeah, I'd go, I'd go in the like 65 range. That's about where like I'm that. at too. Yeah. 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 I think it, the review blurb that I liked the best came from, I think the AV Club reviewer guy who I have mixed feelings about. Yes, Jesse Hassinger. He gave Sausage Party the same score and at no point talked about any of the racism <laughs> like just the 
rampant racism of that movie and the fact that it wasn't actually funny claiming that it you know made such interesting insights into faith written religion and no jesse hossinger no absolutely not be more responsible but you got this one right he gave it a 75 and essentially said it was enjoyable but said sometimes it feels like it's holding back that no one's id is running wild and the limitations of the ghostbusters makes wig mccarthy mckinnon and jones even more valuable absolutely I think I I would agree with that. I think in its attempts to make it family friendly and kind of an entryway for kind of as many people as possible, it wound up diluting what I think otherwise would have been really solid off the wall comedic performances and possible, you know, riffing and ad-libbing and just kind of dialed it back so that everyone could not feel challenged or offended by it right yeah yeah absolutely and apparently um just from reading that like the first cut of this movie was over four hours long oh no um right and so like they had to rein in and i'm sure exactly what you said they reined in the stuff that was like zany a little a little too zany and then they they brought it to kind of the yeah the kind of everybody will enjoy this part yep it feels it's it's almost bland in its middle of the roadness Right. It's kind of, okay, you know, they're hitting all the notes and definitely they are doing huge fan service, possibly defensively or possibly just because they, you know, really wanted to homage the first one as much as humanly possible. Nice. And like, I appreciate the cameos. I appreciate the references. But I think mm-hmm. a lot more time and effort went into working those into the script than actually making good moments of hilarity. Because, uh, I mean, obviously you see McKinnon in The Spy Who Dumped Me and you see McCarthy in Spy and you think, oh, shit, that's funny. And yes, this one, I'm like, agreed. this was nice. Yeah. There yeah. were some funny moments. For sure. Yeah. So, the, yeah, 65 is reasonable for me. Which isn't to say that I don't love Kate McKinnon and Melissa McCarthy, Leslie Jones in this movie. They're all fantastic, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, and and they all, like, they, they bring in their individual brands of comedy to their lines and their roles. Mm-hmm. And I think that that shows through really well. And I think that they all have solid chemistry together and seem to be enjoying themselves and those are things that i love seeing in a movie yeah 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 i mean the kristen wig character it it, like it just skews to this awkward humor that's not my not my favorite but but it it does tend to be what she's asked to play like that is that is familiar like kristen mm -hmm. wig typecast like it's and it's the same director and writer from like bridesmaids and heat and spy and so this is not, she does not feel that different from her character in Bridesmaids. Yes, that's absolutely true. Yeah, critics, you did fine. Yeah. Critics, you did fine. Audience, bite me. Unofficial critics, come on. Yeah. Go take up a hobby. Don't let it be white supremacy. <laughs> Please don't, yeah. I'm a little that. worried that it might be. Yeah, I know. I, I yep, agreed. Amber, this, this movie starts with Donald. His name is Jared. And I am tired and of this. And it's actually Garrett. <laughs> it's actually Garrett in this movie. His name is Jared, and it will forever be Jared. Yeah, so Donald from Silicon Valley starts this movie off. Who He was also in uh, Spy, which is fantastic. And Paul and Feig has his favorites. Zachary Zachary Woods is, is the actor's actual name. Oh, sure. If you want to get technical about it. You know, I do. Mm-hmm. I do want to get technical about it. Just out of respect for Zach Woods. Because I like him as an actor. He's funny. Yeah, he's he has such a small part. I just wanted to bring him up because I like him so much. Um, yeah, he's essentially showing off a, a haunted house, and he's, he's very good at his job, Amber. Oh, yes. Very, very good at his job. 
Solid comedic timing in that one. I'd like to see him in more. I think my favorite line from his tour was in describing the deranged daughter mm -hmm. of the very rich man who owned the house, how she killed everyone in their beds and rather than turn her into the cops, they locked her in the basement. And her father is, is quoted as having said, I know God makes no mistakes, but I believe he may have been drunk when he made Gertrude's personality. <laughs> yeah, we see these um, this portrait of Gertrude and she's very much got the... Um, the look of uh, shit from Ghostbusters 2. The, Vigo? Like, Vigo. Vigo the she's Carpathian. The Vigo um, underbrow glare. Yes. She's very much got that look to her. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and, and it turns out there's this little tiny, or there's this small device that someone has put in the house, which has manifested her spiritual corporality, Amber. Corportality. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. Sticking with it just gonna yep. you just you don't you don't want to make another um make nope. another little pass pass there yep. we'll pass a pass Stand, by just uh standing on this hill and i'm not gonna move cool way to go custer let's move on then oh no so okay device corporality um so essentially uh the ghostbusters the new ghostbusters are brought together with kristen wig being from columbia university um she's got this old friend um uh, Abby, who's Melissa McCarthy, and they're pulled back together because of this book they wrote, and all of a sudden these um, these spooks and specters are starting to show up. So um, they kind of want to investigate it. And at this point, Melissa McCarthy is working with Kate McKinnon on some like <laughs> real kind of great stuff. Um, ghost gadgets, science, ghost particle gadgets. physics, ghost gadgets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At one point, Kristen Wiig picks up something, and uh, both Liz McCarthy and Kate McKinnon are like, oh, put that down. And then uh, Kate McKinnon says, yeah, that turned you to ash from the inside out. Every line that Kate McKinnon delivers oh, so good. is comedic perfection. Yeah, for sure. I have nothing else to say about that. I just love Kate McKinnon. And everything she does at this point. It's I, I I didn't know I felt this strongly until watching both The Spy Who Dumped Me and Ghostbusters in like a reasonably short space of time. Just like, oh no, you are comedically fantastic. Please continue doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's she's a genuine delight. Yeah. Um Kate McKinnon um had this prestigious job or something. Um, but then ended up not not keeping it and uh she just simply says there is a lab incident <laughs> and then melissa mccarthy says yeah but they say he'll wake up <laughs> that's and that's all you get to know about it actually there's a little bit more kate oh, mckinnon then says he woke up yesterday oh that's good says melissa mccarthy kate mckinnon finishes with then he screamed and went back into a coma coma yeah mm -hmm. just Yep. Again, perfect, perfect delivery, perfect exchange. And yeah. again, like, that's one of those moments where you have this, I feel like that's a look into what the movie could have been more of. Yes. You know, the God makes no mistakes and the screamed and went back into a coma moments. Like, they're seated here and there, but then it spends a lot more time kind of doing, like, hitting the notes of a Ghostbusters movie. The come together, the ghost hunting, the effects. Yeah. Prolonged action scenes. Prolonged that, And then, like, yeah, there's there's... A bunch of Kristen Wiig doing her Kristen Wiig thing, which I wish 
just didn't wasn't there just awkward she's been fired from columbia and she's just walking through the halls for five minutes being awkward because she's been fired yeah i mean if that's not to your taste then it it, it is yeah you, you have to enjoy awkward humor yeah yeah and, and i suppose people do and that i would lump in with that kind of her her constant low-key sexual harassment of chris hemsworth's character yeah part of me is like oh good like there's no there's not objectifying of women but it's like you don't need to trade that for objectifying a man as it turns out yeah you don't i I like the way that melissa mccarthy leslie jones and kate mckinnon treat chris hemsworth character is just oh it's it's like pity it's like aren't you a beautiful dumb dumb yeah (laughs) (laughs) As opposed to the awkward lusting after that that they have Weeks character do, I right, it's a bit much, and it it never gets to the point. Wh- but it is like he's hired because she finds him attractive, and then she kind of awkwardly hits on him. It the whole thing is feels unnecessary and just kind yeah. of like an intentional role reversal for the sake of ooh, you know what we could do because mm-hmm. women, right? Yeah. And you could have the role reversal without. You could just delete that part of it, and it would have been fine. It would been great. Agreed. I love, yep. I love a Chris Helmsworth in something. That's great. Especially yeah. in this kind of different role for him, right? Yeah. Took the lenses out of his glasses because they kept getting dirty. They just keep getting dirty. I mean, that's not a bad idea. My lenses are always dirty. Just pop those suckers out. Amber, they go ahead and deal with um, a little bit of the online um, criticism by... <laughs> By literally going online and having somebody read a um, comment section um, and it, <laughs> about the f- new female Ghostbusters. And the comment is, ain't no bitches gonna hunt no ghosts. Ooh, that's some good online grammar. Mm-hmm, it is. I mean, that's like the summation of what the, the internet was saying. Mm, that's like the polite summation of what the internet was saying. That might be the nicest thing that anyone who didn't <laughs> want to see the movie and hated its mere existence said online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So now that we've got all... Oh, oh, and Leslie, Leslie Jones witnesses a ghost. Um, she's like a um, MTA worker and she's working um, in the subways and she witnesses a ghost. And so that that's what brings her into the Ghostbusters. And now we've got our, our four... Our four crew, Amber. Mm-hmm. And and her area of expertise is neither the paranormal nor particle physics, but she does have a very complete knowledge of New York's history. Yes, she does. Architectural yep. and otherwise. Mm-hmm. She's Tons got her own wheelhouse that is of use to them. Right. So they uncover a plot in which um, Neil Casey, who plays Rowan North, is essentially um, mi- building devices in order to... Um, corporatalitize ghosts oh, wow. and oh, bring wow. them into the world and it's what? all a scheme to get himself uh to lead a ghost army in destructing new york city and or the world uh, what what okay just Go just ahead. just for my edification sure what does corporatalitizing mean to you he makes the ghosts corporeal so they can actually do shit now see See, my understanding of the uh-huh. science of Ghostbusters okay. was that there is a barrier between the worlds of the living and yes. the world of the dead. And what mm-hmm. he was doing was placing devices on ley lines, okay. which are naturally get, occurring yes. mm-hmm. mystical highways of energy, mm-hmm. so that he could thin the barrier and just bring ghosts into our world. I don't think it was a matter of like, 
giving them bodies because they still didn't really have bodies they were still ghosts but sure yeah they, okay it was yeah. more like giving them up it was a portal situation mm-hmm. instead of like mm-hmm. a manifestation situation okay i'm just i'm just saying that because no, at, you're at right. the end there's you a portal right. that they have yeah. to close you make a good point i'm a stickler yeah. for movie science is what yeah. i'm saying oh boy yes <laughs> i just wasn't sure if corporatizing cor- 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 uh-huh. meant because because portals kind of in the word oh it is kind of yeah so yeah, just, no, I, I, I wanted being... to understand how you were thinking about yeah no i was th- thinking about science. it incorrectly you're right amber you've scienced you've out scienced me this time yeah i don't feel good about that <laughs> There is a point, um, speaking of science, where at some point, uh, uh, whoever it is, Kristen Wiig maybe knocks a bottle off of a a table and Kate McKinnon goes, oh, my favorite acid. (laughs) That scene, that scene would probably not make Chekhov very happy. No, yeah, there's no other acid that happened. Yeah, like there's no because it's it's it, the mm-hmm. ent- that actually might have, and I have no idea how much of this is is actually stuff that they just added back into the movie in you know the extended unrated version, which eh, it's always annoying to watch. Yeah, because yeah, Wig knocks the hydrochloric acid off the counter. Hemsworth comes in to clean it up. Instead of cleaning it up, steps in it with his slippers. Then McKinnon's like get the baking soda to neutralize the acid and then it shows him pouring the baking soda on the acid or her someone putting baking soda on the acid as though yeah as though that's going to come in later right yeah i guess it was just a funny scene i yeah i the yeah Yeah. it was just an odd unnecessary scene it was like oh Mm -hmm. fun with acid i guess yeah, I did like the line. That was my favorite acid. Yeah, and baking baking soda does neutralize hydrochloric acid and makes it into um, uh, salt and uh, oxygen or um, water and uh, carbon dioxide. So, good science there. Yeah, maybe they just wanted to put some some actual science in the movie. Yep. So you forgot the, about the rest of it. I mean, to be fair, that whole ley lines thing super super accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, good point. And all the nuclear physics stuff i'm sure very very on the nose <laughs> very very on the nose my favorite parts really were just sort of the the interpersonal scenes uh, amongst the characters especially the four main yes. characters you, you just had solid moments of riffing um leslie jones and melissa mccarthy are just at, at one point riffing on Kristen Wiig's boyfriend or i guess ex-boyfriend yeah played by justin kirk mm-hmm. and he clearly not a good dude kind of an asshole very uptight very white and an academic and kind of embarrassed by her he makes an appearance after she's sort of gone off the deep end after losing her job and just straight into paranormal and ghostiness and he's upset about it none of that matters what matters is that while she's off talking to him mccarthy and jones are just riffing off of him like leslie Mm -hmm. jones is like you know i think he can dance and she's like nah that he doesn't know how to move his body at all and they both kind of emulate what they think he can do and it's funny and then they just keep going for a little while and leslie jones is like nah i bet once you rip that v-neck off he just gets freaky and and melissa mccarthy's like nah i bet when you rip that v-neck off it's just another v-neck that i wanted more of that in the movie yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) like even just, even just, you know, Kristen Wiig finding Hemsworth so attractive. And she's like, you you don't think so? And Melissa Carthy's like, God, no. Poor guy. Poor guy. <laughs> yeah. So much pity. 
So, so okay, here, I'm going to bring it back to maybe something I should have discussed in the Critics' Corner, which is, okay, here we have Kate McKinnon, again, playing this, like, clearly coded as queer character, right? Clearly um, coded as queer. Oh, I like that. <laughs> and, and Paul Feig has actually said, of course, after the movie came out, that, yes, she is a, a gay character. And it's another one of these instances where it's like, well, you didn't put that in the movie, so you don't get to claim you don't get to claim representation because you didn't. I mean, you let Kate McKinnon be Kate McKinnon, I think, but yeah, you don't get to retroactively say that you had a gay character in your movie. Yeah, I mean, just because you feel like you effectively non-verbally signaled something, okay, you know that's good. Yeah. And it's, you know what, and it's sometimes hard because, like, I don't necessarily want, like, you don't have to have every character, like, fall in love with another character or be in a relation. Like, you don't need to be in a queer relationship to be a queer person. Like, you know, you don't, you don't have to show Kate McKinnon kissing a lady to make her a queer person. It's just, you could just say it out loud once and you'd be good, you know? Like... (laughs) I don't know. Because there's a lot of these fan theories of, like, Kate McKinnon used to date Melissa McCarthy's... No, sorry, excuse me. Kristen Wiig's character used to date Melissa McCarthy's character. And when they broke up as, like, a, a partnership in science, they broke up, like, as a as a couple. And now Melissa McCarthy and Kate McKinnon are together. But, like, so these are all, like, the fan theories. But, you know, you don't... What I'm saying is you don't need any... You don't need a queer character to date another queer person to make them queer in a movie. You don't need to, you don't need to do that. No. They can be queer independent of a relationship. Yes. And this, this movie does completely avoid the romantic element. Yeah. Which I like. There doesn't need to be a romance in it. Yeah, there doesn't need to be a romance. Exactly. I mean, I love Sigourney Weaver in the first Ghostbusters. She is Mm -hmm. crucial and essential. And I'm like, no shade there. Please love it. But I like that yes. this movie didn't try to shoehorn that in unnecessarily. Right. Yeah, I would have been kind of mad if Kristen Wiig and uh, Chris Helmsworth went off into the sunset together. That would have <laughs> been, been so fucking dumb. Ridiculous. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I feel like it'd be more, <laughs> to my mind, an end credit scene involving one of the Ghostbusters and Chris Hemsworth. The more likely scenario would be him waking up strapped to a table and Kate McKinnon's about to experiment on him. Like that, mm, to yeah, my mind. Yeah, seems about right. Mm-hmm. Oh, sweetie. Didn't think you'd wake up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, cool. Like you wrote a queer character in... And then you didn't say it out loud, and then you claimed it after the fact. That's more than a lot of movies do. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So good. So that's go- that part's good. Is it wrong that I want more? No. Amber, I'm going to say no. It's mm. not wrong. You deserve more. But I feel like a greedy little piggy. <laughs> anyway, so some of my favorite scenes are Kate McKinnon... Uh, having them try out her new gadgets in the back alleyway, <laughs> which are just like she's she's trying to get the proton packs right. She's trying to, you know, get everything ready for, you know, um, catching ghosts. Uh, she she develops like a essentially like a a, a a gauntlet that you can 
hunt. You can have a fist fight with a ghost. <laughs> and so you can punch ghosts with your fist. It's great. Oh, yeah. Whoever thought of that is a genius. I have always wanted to punch a ghost. Yeah. Ghost, ghost punchers. Ghost punchers. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Ghost punchers. Um, um, at some point, uh, uh, whoever was Christian Wig maybe um, wanted to give Melissa McCarthy a high five, and they're like, "Oh no, that that's a that's a deadly high five. Yes, McCarthy was wearing the ghost punching mm-hmm. gauntlet at the time. Yep. But would it have been worth it? It might have been worth it. World's deadliest high five. Yeah, yeah. You get like ghost grenades, ghost pistols. It's all very good. Mm-hmm. 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 They do a good job of using the gadgets in kind of semi-inventive ways. Although yeah. it, the end scene where they're using the proton packs to just sort of grab and fling ghosts. Yeah. That never made much sense to me. No, you're just kind of moving them around. So they, oh, you threw them into those other ones. Yeah. That's weird. The, the, yeah. When when McKinnon pulls out like the gun whips and just starts laying waste, that's cool. I'm into that. Yeah. But most of it is them just like yanking a ghost and chucking him over there and that one's defeated for now and then moving on right yeah the ghost shredder that was very cool i liked the ghost shredder that was neat they only got to use it once but they only get to use it once yeah essentially they seem to be just moving ghosts around until they can make a huge um ghost trap out of the like porthole that um this guy has opened yes the the end scene in general feels like the weakest bit to me yeah, agreed. Like I, I, they didn't really build up to it super well. Mm-hmm. It was sort of like they were hitting the notes of like first ghost hunt, chaotic and failed. Second ghost hunt, more chaotic but more successful. And then things escalate, but and they think they've succeeded, but then actually things just actually got worse. And so it's even just learning his ultimate plan. You know, at, like the big bad guy. Rowan played by what's-his-face again? Neil Casey. Neil Casey. Man, I'm bad with names. They confront him. He kills himself, becomes a ghost, and then Kristen Wiig is flipping through a copy he had of their, of, of her and Melissa McCarthy's, you know, paranormal book. And he's just <laughs> yeah. covered it in doodles that yes. show his master plan. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's just drawn it out for her. Comic booked her way into the know. Okay. Yep. That's fine. I guess. Sure. And then it's there's a big showdown with cops and and National Guard members, which learns into like basically becomes sort of a Beetlejuice homage scene where right the Rowan possessed Chris Hemsworth character makes them all dance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's just some downright like kind of silly things that are yeah, um, definitely like you say, probably a homage to to Beetlejuice and to other things, um, but. It, did seem kind of they didn't really earn the whole build up there i guess yeah it didn't feel, it didn't feel important weirdly yeah yep like there it's and it didn't feel like they kind of got there in a way that made sense it was sort right. of we're fighting ghosts what's going on okay they figured out the ley line things and found the building but then they just had to info dump the rest of the plan on them right yeah sort yeah of. I, like oh the machine of course Right. If they'd actually stayed smaller with the stakes of this movie, it actually would have been a lot better. You know, if they... Yeah. If they hadn't tried to go as big as the original from, like, out the gate. Like, if they'd kept it as, he's just making mischief with, like, a posse. Like, he's managed to figure out how to jailbreak a few of his ghost friends. Sorry, yes. Corporatalize (laughs) some of his ghost friends, ghost himself up, and then just wreak havoc on the city. 
that would have yep. made more sense. And that, that exactly. actually felt super earned with mm-hmm. the legwork that they put in. But yeah, it, it kind of felt like this abrupt turn. And maybe the original Ghostbusters is exactly the same. And I just, it's, yeah. I watched as a kid and I just accept everything is true and correct right. and proper. Very true. It also, every movie that I watched as a kid felt like it was way longer than it actually is. Like, I watched The NeverEnding Story, Artax is dying in, like, the first 20 minutes. I was like, shit, I thought he lasted a lot longer than that. Why was oh, I so wow. sad about this? I barely knew this horse. <laughs> I w- yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that was in the first 15 minutes. It's wild. It's pretty early. Yeah. That movie's not that long. But I digress. Mm-hmm. It did kind of feel like, oh, okay, so once again, we have big historical buildings, super haunted Gate portal to hell, fourth cataclysm, gonna end the world somehow with a handful of ghosts and right. a big giant one that's gonna, right. I guess, take a really long co- time to destroy the world by punching one building like, at a time. Yeah, yeah, it did seem. And the other ghosts at this point, like he'd open this like portal to like all these ghosts coming out, which initially caused a lot of issues. But then at that point, like once he, once um, Neil Casey came out as this big fucking ghost, um, all those ghosts were just like flying around in the air and not really causing mischief anymore. So yeah, yeah, yeah. This is uh, no big deal. Then they the, the the big climax is they cross the streams, which they were never supposed to do. But it's not enough power. But thank goodness they have a much larger nuclear reactor on top of their ghost mobile, mm-hmm. which they then managed to get the ghost who stole it because right. of course a ghost has jacked their car. They mm-hmm. get Slimer. Get the, exactly, Slimer. Again, iconic. Homage. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make it worse every time. Yes, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> they get him to drive straight into the portal while they zap it with their proton packs because they've, of course, explained that by detonating the something-something in the portal thing with the stuff mm-hmm. and the stuff, it will 180 the polarity and then just turn it right into a ghost sucker instead of a ghost blower. Right, yeah, they they turn it from blow to suck. Yep, exactly. Indeed. Mm-hmm. They've gone from blow to suck. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And then it sucks everybody back in. And then there's actually, I feel like, a good moment that does help kind of, because they do a little bit more with kind of Melissa McCarthy feeling betrayed by Kristen Wiig for mm. leaving her behind as both a friend and a science partner. Right. Because they grew up as kids and they were the only ones who supported each other. And then, you know, Kristen Wiig went on to try and do legitimate science. Well, Melissa McCarthy toiled away in obscurity. And Melissa McCarthy gets dragged into the portal. Yeah. But Kristen Wiig goes after her. She does. She does a heroic, desperate dive. She clicks herself into a conveniently located tether thing cable yeah maybe there was a tow truck nearby and she jumps like that kind of thing jumps into the portal and arms outstretched saves her oh so beautiful she's not she's not letting her go a second time amber leave you it's yes i wasn't gonna leave you twice Aww! hooray female friendship yay female friendship and possibly romantic lerve we don't know question mark question mark I don't need it to be. I'm satisfied with the strength of their friend bond. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the commitment to continue it, even when they're dragged into a ghost hell portal. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was a fine end scene. It was fine. It was fine. It wasn't yeah. the best. I enjoyed the scene that came after that, where Chris uh-huh. Hemsworth... <laughs> uh-huh. Chris Hemsworth character having... Everybody survives. It's unlike the first Ghostbusters... The building that was completely destroyed uh-huh. by the hell portal 
Right. Just rebuilds itself as just, the ghosts are sucked back in. Yep, just kind of fixes itself right up there. And I guess presumably all of the people who almost certainly died oh, are so many. also back? Yeah, I hope in the right places with parts in the right places. Me too. I mean, I feel like there's only two official deaths in this movie. Right, one big Bill Murray. Yeah, Bill Murray. <laughs> and the other being... Neil Casey? Yeah, Neil the, Casey. Yeah. Only yeah. sort of technically dies because he comes back as a ghost. Because he wanted to die. I mean, yeah, I guess exactly. he does technically die, but then he gets, gets to come back as a ghost. Right, yeah. Yeah. It is a pretty so you, clean, family-friendly movie. Yeah, yeah. So you do have Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Sigourney Weaver, Annie Potts, and Ivan Rittman, um, who appear, uh, yeah, who appear in this film. They, none of them are reprising their Ghostbusters or Ghostbusters 2 roles, um, but they do do their cameos here, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. And I feel like they do them with grace and a plum. Oh, oh, I, I lost my train of thought 100%. Love those cameos, but the scene... After the building has reconstituted itself, everybody's safe, the ghosts are gone, Chris Hemworth is depossessed and eating a sandwich and talking to the four Ghostbusters. Like, we did a great job. All of us are Ghostbusters. We're all Ghostbusters here together, and we all did a great job. I pushed some buttons over there. The portal reversed itself, so I feel like I saved the day. Melissa McCarthy's like, one, no to all of that. Two, where did you get that sandwich? He's like, well, I was looking for you. I went across the street into that deli. She's like, you went and got yourself a sandwich while we were fighting ghosts. And she grabs it and throws it behind her. And he's Mm -hmm. like, hey, can I get some help? And then the sandwich just gets tossed by somebody off camera back into his hand. Uh So she grabs it again and throws it. And he's like, hey, can I get a soda? Somebody off screen tosses him a soda. He starts Mm -hmm. drinking. He's like, oh, I think I had a muffin too. Someone tosses him the muffin. (laughs) It's just, it's so ridiculous. It's so good. Like I, again, that's one of those scenes where I'm like, oh, there it is. There's the movie I want to see. Here's mm-hmm. the movie that I see sometimes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, and that scene uh, with Andy Garcia, who plays the mayor. Mm-hmm, yep. That was also, that was, the, when they encountered him, he was pretty, pretty hilarious. I feel yes. like just deadpanning relatively solid lines. Because, mm-hmm. of course, he knows what's going on, and his office knows what's going on. Right, but they can't let on. Because people would just freak the fuck out. Mm-hmm. And he's just kind of talking about, he's like, oh, yeah, no, we know about all of these terrible things that happen. And one of them involves people being turned inside out. And he's like, yeah, their skin is on the inside of their bodies because their organs are on the outside. And Melissa McCarthy is just like, but they're okay, right? He's like, sure. On that horrifying note. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Andy Garcia, for being here. Yeah, it was really good. Those moments are good enough to push it into kind of like 65, 70 range for me. Exactly. Yeah. The other elements of the movie are fine. But not particularly inspired and not things that I find particularly memorable. So, Amber, on our rock scale. Blarg. Regrettable, outstanding, craze balls are K. I'm going to rate this movie a craze balls. And you do not need to rate this movie anything if you don't choose to. Are you trying to make the rock scale a safe space for me, Megan? I am. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I still resent it, but I'll participate in it. Excellent. Because I am not gracious. <laughs> this is a crazy balls. Yeah, this is a crazy yeah. balls movie. It's enjoyable. It's silly. It's sweet. It hits some good notes. Female driven. I love seeing that. Has some actors in it that I really like. Michael McDonald shows up again. Oh, Michael McDonald. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Matt Walsh and Michael Kenneth Williams, who most people know as Omar from The Wire. They play, I think, FBI agents who work yes. with Andy, Andy Garcia. Just they just have some great people. They really do. Being yeah. adorable. And like, mm-hmm. It's just yeah, no, crazy balls. I like this movie. Megan. Yes, Amber. Driven Abby story. Yeah, so when I was visiting Abby, um, we were going to get together with uh, Karen and Jonathan and Laurel at the park. We're going to do some outside, um, you know, distance, uh, social distance, um, hanging out with those folks. A COVID um, hang, if you will. uh, Yes, exactly. And uh, it was very exciting to see them. But but one of the things we we were talking to Abby about on the way over is like, okay, so we're going to, you know... Um, hang out with these folks and and uh, but we're not going to be able to give them any hugs we're gonna you know because of the sniffles we're gonna give them some room and uh, and not do any hugs um and she said okay can I hold their hands though I was like no <laughs> you can hold our hands did you tell her that like holding hands is like a hand hug and it's the same like it's mm. it's all out all touching is a form of hugs all touching is and bad. hugs are off yeah hugs have been yeah. canceled this year yeah sorry small child there are there's no physicality or there's no more touching touching is dangerous mm-hmm. and uh-huh. deadly and we're all gonna die and you should be terrified <laughs> yep exactly. but let's have some fun yep mm-hmm. <laughs> Poor anyway, small it was child. Just, yeah it's just really sweet no hand hugs either, Abelard. No hand hugs. Mm, yeah. So what sad. did you just call her? Abelard. Abelard. Hmm. Abelard. Abolicious? Sure. Abalone. Abalone. Why can't I just call people by their names? Mm, good question. Probably blatant disrespect for their humanity and their individuality. Hmm, this seems appropriate. Amber, do you have a recommendation? Oh, fuck me. Yeah. Ooh, I have actually been watching a thing that I should recommend and I will recommend and I'll do a very bad job of it because that's just how I do recommendations. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to judge myself. I'm trying to have some compassion mm-hmm. for Amber, the recommendations section person. Do mm-hmm. I suck at it? Yes. Am I ashamed of every single recommendation I've made? Yes. Oh, bye. But that's okay. We're not all good at everything, Megan. Mm-hmm. I'm going to recommend The OA. It's a show on Netflix, and it is very good. Like, very, very, very good. The most disappointing part about it is that it was canceled, and so there's only two parts of it. And it is just a steeped in uncanny, inscrutable, intriguing, delectable mystery kind of show. So you won't be satisfied with the two parts that you get beyond having witnessed something that is truly beautiful entertainment art the story is intricate and intriguing and human and fundamentally beautiful in a lot of ways while simultaneously being extremely original there's sci-fi bent to it but it would be very difficult to give you a description of what the actual plot is beyond kind of the basic blurb of brit marling is a woman who disappeared seven years ago and she was blind she has since returned and she can see And the show begins with her essentially assembling a group of people, kind of unlikely group of people, um, mostly high school students, and telling them her story of captivity and then explaining what she needs their help doing. Okay. Uh, And then I just started watching the second season or the second part, whatever you want to call it, because they call it a part 
because this is art. Mm -hmm. This ain't seasons. This ain't your traditional seasons. And it's completely different. Like, the vibe of the show is different. The characters of the show are different. It, it, it makes sense that they are, but it's also, it's disorienting, but at the same time, it's very good. I highly recommend it. The episodes are all very different lengths. Some of them are over an hour. Some of them are 27 minutes. Like huh. it's, they're as long as they need to be to get the chapter out. It's Is, is this the one that TJ said that um, they were just bringing it to real life? That the next season of the OA was just real life. Yep, it just becomes IRL. They don't need mm -hmm. seasons anymore. Right. Yep, that is that is what he said. Um, and that I, I, one of his friends said that the, one of the reasons it must have been canceled is because it was just too uncanny. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I finished the first part and it's it's very very good. Nice. So yeah, I recommend the OA on Netflix. Excellent. Megan, do you have a recommendation? I do. Um, I have started listening to a new podcast called Home Cooking. It is um, hosted by Samin Nosrat, who is the um, salt fat, salt fat acid heat um, person who who wrote the book that's called that. That um, she did a Netflix special called that, which I've recommended in the past. And she's doing this, hosting this podcast with her co-host. Uh, Harisha Kish Sherway and he does um, this other show called Song Exploder where he like listens to songs and like meets with artists and like takes songs apart like piece by piece um, it's really that's also a really interesting podcast but they started essentially a quarantine podcast about um, cooking at home um, Samina of course is this like chef and has a whole lot of experience uh, Harisha Kish has like very little experience and like so they're they're kind of bringing together this like feeling of um what do you what can you eat that's just in your pantry um what thing what staples should you have kind of around um and then kind of fielding questions from folks about like <laughs> how old can beans be um and, and you can still eat them plus like recipes and things um they also have had some really good guests like um uh Anthony from uh, Queer Eye, Nadia Hussein from, um, she was one of the great British Bake Off folks who's one of my favorites, um, Sam Sanders, Yo-Yo Ma, W. Kamal Bell. Um, anyway, so really um, delightful guests and kind of a really just easy podcast to listen to. Um, yeah. Home Cooking. It's on Radiotopia. Learn about cooking at home. Mm -hmm. exactly lovely excellent well megan um this so has been lovely uh yes. i'm sure i'll talk to you again soon let's watch Perfect. another movie again i Great. think that's our thing and uh mm -hmm. well goodbye goodbye megan bye okay and i'll say just like i always say to you every time we end yes. no, you will. i'll say rock is a great master of life it teaches us simple philosophy stay firm oh it just i <sighs> fuck you Fuck whoever said that. Fuck this. Fuck the universe. Bye, Amber. Bye, Megan. Bye.